1: Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm hearted and down to earth path to the Divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to slash KD. You can't think yourself out of a prison that's made of thought. Every thought is the prison. However, when you become aware of so to sp- uh, you become aware of the thought and you're no longer thinking the thought, it's a very different feeling. It, it's, that's what happens when you start to calm down. when you just slow down, slow down, and settle down, then the thoughts come. They don't grab you the same way that kind of like flow through like a bird to the sky. And and you don't get grabbed by that bird and dragged away. It's another kind of uh, reality, so to speak. It's a deeper, it's what's deeper within our own heart. That's why they call it the Chit Akash, the sky of consciousness. It's a sky, it's an open space. Everything, we're all in that. And that's in here. That whole space, the whole universe is in here in a pinpoint. How could that be? Well, it doesn't make any sense. That's why you can't think about it. It doesn't make any sense. But it can be experienced directly by each one of us and will be sooner or later because it's reality. You know, it's like it's like you were you were born in a world where it was pitch black, right? And everybody around you, we all everybody lived in the dark. And it was this was the norm, right? Everybody lived in the dark. There was only darkness. So you could barely make out shapes and forms and everything like this. And you couldn't really see anybody who they were until they were very close to you like this, you know. And then, the sun starts to rise. I mean, it's not even near the horizon yet, but the sky starts getting light, right? And all of a sudden, everything looks different, right? You don't know what it is, because your reality is this pitch blackness. But now this light starts to come, and everything looks different. And your reality changes naturally. You didn't do anything. And then the sun keeps rising, and things become more clear. And that's your reality. And then finally, it's you know overhead and everything's bright and clear, and you see everything as it is. So that's what happens within us as we do these practices the sun, the the light within us, so to speak, starts to shine through everything and illuminate things in a different way. And um, naturally, the way we see things changes. And for instance, people that scared us, they don't look scary anymore. Nothing's changed, it's just that we see them differently. In fact, when we look at them, instead of a scary person that hates us, we see somebody who's suffering. You know, we see we see this person and and even though they don't talk to us and they got this sour look on their face, instead of being hurt by that, we go, Oh wow, that person's in pain. And so we no longer react the same way. Our whole life changes that way. From the inside. That person's doing nothing different, but we see it differently because we're no longer reacting because the light, we see it, it's now clear to us. So compassion arises naturally when we become who we are. It's not something we have to make happen. You can't force yourself to love everyone. That's bullshit, you know, but we can, Do the practices that uncover that love within us, and and it expands to to include everyone, because that's the way it is. You know, I remember when George W. was president? We thought that was bad. (laughs) So one day I was flipping the channels, and there he was, he was on CNN and he's kind of walking down the, he's in this like school down in Florida, and he was on his way to a room where all the widows, the first round of widows from the Iraq war were waiting to meet Mr. President, right? They had been brought together from all around the country and he was gonna visit with them. And so you see him walking down the, You know, and the cameras following Mr. President walking down the the hallway. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Hi, Frank. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm the president. Okay, here we go. (laughs) And he's walking. I was just about to turn the channel, right? And all of a sudden he opens the door to this room and he sees all these women. And he bursts out crying like a baby live on TV. Really? I couldn't hate him anymore. I wanted to, but I couldn't. And I saw this poor motherfucker who's created so much suffering for so many people by being the political pawn of all this big business and all this stuff and all this that and all that. And that he had no choice, right? He had no way not to do this and that he himself would suffer terribly it uh, I didn't want that for him I didn't want that for anybody so it ruined my day <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i mean things happen when you when you when you're on this path when you start to cultivate these qualities of kindness and caring and compassion and and equanimity and peace of mind and when you start to look at those qualities and start to realize that that's who we are underneath all our reactive stuff it pops out every once in a while and just totally ruins your day and that's what i mean you know and you see the poor guy had no choice he was pawn and he pay for that because we all have to reap the seeds that we sow which we're doing right now. This ain't so bad. This is a seed that we've sown also. We couldn't be here if it wasn't. I'll take it. You know, it's going to change. In a couple hours, we'll be somewhere else, thinking about other things. But for this moment, we're here as a result of seeds we ourselves have planted. And we're planting more seeds right now, which will create more of this in the future for us. And everybody who we need. And who's who's George W's best buddy? This holding this to Dalai Lama. Uh, he invited him to the to, to to the White House, all this stuff. I couldn't believe it. And you see them hugging you know, hugging each other, chubbing around. What is this? Who is this guy? Which which monastery into Tibet did he get kicked out of in his last life, you know? You just don't know. And he, he, he painted this beautiful portrait of his holiness, and his holiness comes and they unveil it. This is so bizarre. <laughs> right? You can't judge people. We just don't know. We have no idea. Who, we don't know who we are. How are we going to know who anybody else is? All we know is our own reactions, our own knee jerk, stupid, unenlightened reactions. That's all we know all day long. So practice, that's the deal. Going to India, finding a guru, living in a cave. Yeah, who's got the mic? Oh, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. Hello. Hi.
2: First, I want to say that uh, speaking of seeds, uh, just over 20 years ago, a seed was planted in my heart, and it was when I was introduced to the resonance of the love affair that you share with the world, with your guru, and it is one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received in this lifetime, and for that I am eternally grateful. So, thank you for sharing that with me.
1: And Thank you. It's always good to hear that stuff.
2: So, the question that I had was, at the beginning of the talk today, uh, you said it twice, and it's something that I'm always contemplating. Uh, you said that uh, in reference to practicing, that it's hard. Isn't that just another bullshit story?
1: It's difficult, let's put it that way. It takes uh, takes uh, patience, because because we're so uh, experience-oriented. We're so ambitious for new experiences. We're so much driven to try to be somebody else. And and we're not going to (laughs) be. So it's difficult to get over that. And it's difficult to create and, and do a practice regularly over a period of time without being disheartened by the fact that nothing's happening because we think something should be. So it's hard to get over that, you know, and just keep coming back. Uh, it's, it's not the easy way to go. The easy way to go is get born, graduate high school, drink beer and die. That's the easy way to go because you're just not here. The, the struggle to, to try to be here, it, it, it takes some work. It takes some attention.
2: Can't that work be easy? Can't we create a story and an image and a program that it, it, it is easy, it is no longer difficult, and then that's what is, what's created?
1: If you can talk yourself into that, you know, let me know. And then, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you can, but you'll get over that. <laughs> and you'll still be there, fucked up as you are. Wait, wasn't this easy last week? You know, it's been easy for a year. Why did it get hard now? Anything you create is going to fall apart. That's the point. So we're so programmed to create and be ambitious and, and, and aggressively want to be, you know, who we think we should be when we're already who we are. So that's the hard part just being you. With all the bullshit and all the stuff you don't like about yourself, that's not so easy to deal with. We're programmed in the West, you know. Ah, one time I was in the temple, and um, I, you know, I was very close with this one Indian family, the Tuaris, a number of them, especially with this one. And Mr. and Mrs. Tuari my, were like my Indian parents, and they had died already quite some time. And now the oldest grandson in the family was about to be married. So all the cousins came to the temple to, to get blessings, and I was sitting in the back with Siddhima, who was Maharaj's great devotee. And all these cousins were there. And there were about 20 of them, right? And there was so much love among these kids. I was just looking at them. And I was just thinking to myself, whoa, this is amazing. There's so much love among these. And Siddhima turns to me. She, I didn't say a word. She just turned to me and she said, You see Krishna Das? You see what you missed by being born in America? (laughs) So we've got shit to deal with, you know? And there's no way around it. So it's very hard for us. So because we're programmed right from day one that it's outside of us, you know? And uh, everything we do on this shore, so to speak, is ego. Even spiritual work, it's all ego. It's all wanting to get something for me, my enlightenment, my bliss, my holiness, right? Right? you got to get over that. It's not easy to get over that because it's so ingrained. We're so much identified with being a separate being. And there's such a hole in our hearts for most of us. Our family lives have been so um, difficult in many ways you know family life in India is very different or was until very recently very different there's a real when I when I first started to stay with the Tuaris at their house I would sleep on the couch in the living room people coming and going all the time I was perfectly happy back in America I need my room I need a lock on the door you know don't bother me you know but there because nothing was expected And they would yell at each other and fight. Everything was allowed because no one was afraid that anybody in the family would throw them out of their hearts. It wasn't even in their wildest possibility. So they could yell and argue at each other and get angry. It was all open. It was a functional family. Who knew? Who knew not in my house don't talk don't look yep. keep your voice down yep. you know this is how i grew up you know it's a whole different ball game so for us it's very hard for us to love in a simple way and let ourselves be loved and accept love because we're just not trained for that you know so to overcome all that stuff and just be who ourselves be who we are is it it might be easy for you for a second. But you know, whatever it is easy, hard, difficult, it doesn't matter. It's, it, we know this is the work, this is the path. It's hard to get over thinking that we're going to get something that's going to make it all okay like that. We might for a minute. You know, we get a hit, we get a glimpse, we get a taste. But we can't maintain that because we are the problem, so to speak. The taste is not the problem. The taster is who has to go. So it's, it's a process. You go in and out all your whole life until you just accept things the way they are. And then everything changes. Because it's only our own judgments and our own self-loathing and self-hatred and the constant evaluative, judgmental mind that destroys our, daily, our quality of our day. Sorry. Maybe it's not true for you, maybe it's just my problem. However, you're here, you gotta listen to me. But uh, I think I find that with a lot of people, you know. If we weren't giving ourselves a hard time, Nobody in the universe would be giving us a hard time. It's interesting to think I had that feeling once, you know. Like if I wasn't doing this to me, nobody would be doing it to me. So it's interesting. But you can't just stop it. How can you stop it? Where is that thought you're going to shoot it? it, it Where to it come from? Where to it go? Not so simple. Just be with it. Be with it. Be with it. Come back. Every time you go away, come back. And the practices help us come back. That's the point. And the practices help us get over that grasping for something else also as time goes on. It deepens us. It deepens us. It gets us more comfortable with the difficult things that happen in life, which happen to all of us. Maharaj didn't talk about this stuff. He just uh, threw fruit at us and told us to go away. <laughs> but being in that love and, and, and tasting it and recognizing, experiencing that it's, it's available, it's real, it's in the world, we can find it, was a big thing, a very big thing.
3: I almost forgot the question. I had to think again.
1: <laughs> oh, don't bother. It's okay. Uh,
3: anyway, um, my question is probably a little different. Mm-hmm. I do kirtan. I do kirtan workshop. I have a little classical Indian classical music background too. Sure. Uh, when I have been I, here. For, I,
1: I apologize for my uh, my mourning and groaning.
3: <laughs> um, I've been here for almost 50 years in this country. And when I do my kirtan, sometimes I come across organizers who will say, um, there may be people who don't want to do om, or they may not, they want to know the meaning of every one of the uh, lyrics. So how did you manage that?
1: I just started singing. (laughs) matter, huh? Yeah, that's it. I didn't, you know... I wasn't singing for anybody else, and I don't. I sing for the sake of my own being, to save my own miserable ass. That's why I sing. If I didn't sing, I'm gone.
3: Because some of those Sanskrit bhajans are so beautiful.
1: I know, but that's a whole other level. you know, That's a whole other level. The name, the true meaning of the name is who you are. There's no storyline involved. There's no thought, no concepts. The name of Ram is non-conceptual. The stories about Ram about Krishna, about Kali about Shiva that 's like the gospel stories. Jesus went to the, the woman at the well. you know those things are to feed the emotions like, so called i, I don 't want to use the word pure but good emotions and and feed the heart in a certain kind of way, but the repetition of the name goes beyond that and When people ask me what these names mean, I just say, I don't know, because I don't know. I mean, I could tell you a few stories, that would be fun, but the name itself, uh, let me tell you a story. I like that. (laughs) So there was a great saint in India in the 1800s, Sri Ramakrishna, and he told how these names work. So this is the secret, okay, you ready? Everybody wants to know this is how they work. He said that every repetition of one of these names is a seed. And a seed has within it the tree, right? It has the whole thing right there. It's not fully realized yet, but in that seed is the whole thing. So he said every repetition of one of these names is a seed, and it carries that power, like, for instance, the whole tree or the whole fruit. And even if at that moment that you're doing the practice, you don't experience the power of the name, you're still planting the seed. And he said, the seed gets caught by the wind, right? And it gets blown many miles. And it lands on the roof of an old house. So in those days, in the 1800s, especially in the villages Sometimes they had clay tiles on the roofs of the houses. Those tiles were just, were uh, baked in the sun, not in a kiln, but baked in the sun, so they weren't that hard. Now the seeds of the repetition of the name that we're chanting, they get caught by the wind and they, they they land on the roof of this old house and they get caught between the tiles and they just sit there. Now, over time, and seasons and rain and sun and wind, etc. the tiles start to break up. They start to get softer. And then those seeds start to take root, okay? The seeds of the repetition of the name get caught on the roof of this house. And as the tiles get softer, the roots start to grow. Those roots grow and grow and grow and they destroy the roof of the house. They keep growing, and they destroy the walls of the house. Ramakrishna says that house is who we think we are, our conventional sense of self, me. Now, when there's no walls and no roof, there's only open space. Right? You're no longer confined behind this little space of walls and roof. You're everywhere. You've become the whole universe. You're still you, but a different level. That's how this practice works. You notice he doesn't talk about how you feel, whether you feel bliss, or you feel this, or you feel that gives you shit how you feel. you got to let it go anyway. It's not about you or how you feel. It's about doing the practice and allowing it to work from within. And how does it work? It breaks down and destroys this separate sense. This temporary. Isn't the house temporary? Somebody put that house together. Right? Out of this and that. It's a construct. It's made. Anything that's made falls apart. The me is a construct of our karmas. And it will fall apart sooner or later. And we will finally become again who we always were. So that's how this practice works. That's why the names, what the meanings are, don't matter to me. It doesn't matter. People ask me, What do you feel when you chant? I say, How do I know? I don't care. I'm not looking at it, I'm singing. I'm not thinking about, Wow, I really feel good. This is great. excuse me, that's just, let it go, come back. It's not about that. So as you get more comfortable in these practices and you deepen, you get, you know, if I tried to pick myself up like this, right, there's no leverage, I can't do it. So if you try to let go of a thought, you you get no leverage unless you've been deepening your awareness through practice over time, then the thought comes and you notice it's got you, you can let it go. But if you're dreaming and you're lost, you can't let it go. So through the practice, you get that leverage to be able to let go of stuff. And it starts off very simply. you just chanting. Oh, what am I going to do tomorrow? Oh, Sri Ram Jai Ram. Oh, yeah, I want to go to that movie. Oh, Sri Ram Jai Ram Jai Ram. Jai Ram oh. It starts off just like that, but little by little, gradually, but inevitably. See, this is inevitable. Don't think that you're doing this. It ain't that way. Your true nature is doing this. Your soul is running the show. We're just going along for the ride. And so, it's inevitable that that me will dissolve into our true nature. It's inevitable. So don't worry. Be happy. Tick
3: yeah. TikTok. Okay. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Let's, let's, I know there are people over there who have something to say. Let's go around the other side and we'll come back. We'll sing again in a minute. Don't get too anxious and angry. <laughs> don't send me emails. I, do, I, I really feel... The reason I do this is because everywhere I go around the world, I do this all around the world, and I want to tell you, we, we're we all stupid.
4: <laughs>
1: all of us. Everybody's exactly the same all around the world. And when we share these questions and this give and take, we see that every we're all in the same place. We're all dealing with the same stuff. It's very... Depressing. <laughs> Go
3: ahead. Hi, Das. Hello. Um, I have been binge-watching your talks on Be Here Now next. I've been
1: binge-watching Westworld.
3: Uh, I have no idea what that is actually.
1: Very good. Koi <laughs> botany.
3: So, um... Yeah. When I was 25, there was a seed in me which came to me. Um, I was going through some spiritual experiences, and my parents took me to a psychiatrist. Uh, And the guy asked me, uh, what do you see at the end of the path, of this path? And at that moment, I became the golden Buddha. It really happened, so, and I had the mudra, and that was golden light, you know, crazy experience. So you can call it grace, then you I was- just, You
1: just called it crazy.
3: I, I just called it crazy. Yeah. People called it crazy. Yeah. So, and, and I had other experiences, like the universe was turning in my heart, so the universe was in my heart. Um, then I lived my life and kind of like the mental thing with the psychiatrist has been my path, my karma. And now I'm 50. this was when I was 25. So now I'm 50 and I'm kind of like weary of samsara. You know, I know the end of the path is the golden Buddha, and I know how that feels, and I sometimes feel the vastness when I meditate. But, um, yeah, how do you, when the veil is thin and you are weary of this world, how do you deal with that?
1: How do you deal with?
3: How do you deal when the veil is thin, and you are wary of this world, of the three-dimensional, our life, our... You How know, do you deal uh, when you're weary of well, life?
1: I, I don't know, but experiences come and go. There are many of them, you could say, it's grace, it's a little glimpse, but you also have your karmas that are running out as they are, and working out things to do. Uh, Without the glimpses, you'd have no clue about uh, how things are. And the glimpses themselves change you within, and they change the way your life proceeds from that point on also. It's not you doing it. You're not the doer. So you just have to relax and enjoy the ride. And don't worry. That's just mental stuff. And don't try to hold on to those experiences. Don't try to hold on to the memory, the taste of those experiences. It's good to try to immerse yourself in, so to speak, but not to hold on to them and try to recreate them, but to be with them in a certain kind of way. could be your meditation practice, but not to try to create them or manipulate yourself. Just allow yourself to be you. And experiences will come, and they will go. And they are not the end, they're experiences. Experiences come, experiences go. And as long as there is an experiencer, that will continue to happen. And as soon as there's no longer a sense, s- you're no longer identified with your separate self, it'll always be like something. We don't know what it will be like. But in the meantime, you're here, and you're living your life. and. uh Those are good memories and those were good experiences, but you still have to, you know, stop at the red and go at the green. It would be a good idea. Thank you. Mm hmm. That didn't sound very.
3: Well, uh, you didn't answer, Michael. You just said, you know, just enjoy the life and. Yeah. And you don't enjoy the life, how can you enjoy the life?
1: That's a good question. You should find the answer to that. Okay. You're welcome. I'm not playing with you. I'm serious, you know. Nobody can give you the answer you're looking for except you. From inside of your life, there's a lot going on. You have to be with that. You have to honor that. You have to really immerse yourself in that. Be you. At a hundred miles an hour, and not don't don't uh, tiptoe around. Be you, and that's all part of who you are. You're not enlightened; those experiences are not enlightenment, but they are good little uh, signposts and little glimpses. And uh, you very have a lot of grace to have that experience, and uh, you should try to honor that. But don't try to be what you're not or who you're not. Be you, with all its beauty and all its ugliness. It's all part of it. All of it. It's not, there's no mistakes. And those experiences aren't mistakes either. They're little glimpses. And it's good. But if you try to hold on to them, you kill them. You can't hold on to that. They're gifts. And they're with you. And that's, you know, Keep that in your heart as you move forward. Somebody? No?
5: Yeah, I have a question. Where are you? Right here. Hi. Hi. Thank you for being here. I have listened to hundreds of hours of your workshops when I drive across the road.
1: And you came here?
5: (laughs) No, I really enjoy it, and I get a lot out of it. And and something I really appreciate about you is that you don't really push any dogma. In fact, like, everything you say is sort of the opposite of that.
1: That's my dogma.
5: (laughs) It's wonderful. It's very refreshing. Something that I have kind of been wondering about is you go further on the path, like meeting people or even yourself, doing spiritual bypassing. So about, like, six months ago, I had dated somebody um, very much in the Yogananda. I also love Yogananda, but would kind of always say, it's all a dream, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes I'm the asshole, sometimes you're the asshole, whatever, and just for me, it's like, I still show up to my job, I still try and be a kind person, and it's not like, oh, whatever, we're just la-la-la floating in the universe. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that when you encounter that?
1: With compassion, kindness, You know, there's no sense trying to change anybody or enlighten anybody. We ourselves are drowning, so it's hard to like help anybody else. But you just, uh, you you, you see why a person would do that. You see that kind of, this kind of intellectual arrogance comes out of insecurity, comes out of not actually knowing what they're talking about. You know, so um, you just you just see well, this is who this is, you know, I wish them well, and you know just don 't talk to me anymore <laughs> <laughs> you take you know you ban them from your Facebook page or whatever it is but um yeah, most people you know one of the things I try to do is I try to not make things up, you know? I try to talk from my own experience, and when I don't know what I'm talking about, I say, they say, you know? Which is most of the time. uh, Because I've heard a lot of stuff over the years, but the stuff that's meaningful to me is the stuff that, you know, I've worked with or experienced myself. And, or not experienced myself, you know? I, I, I don't have a lot of lights going off and golden Buddhas and, you know, all kinds of, you know. I'm just kind of a very miserable, mopey kind of guy, depressed, unhappy. I love it. That's who I am. What am I? I'm from Long Island. What what chance did I have? But based on that, I'm not doing so bad. So I, I, I can I can live with that. I don't care. So, but anyhow, yeah, it's good to talk from your own experience. And when people are just, you know, there's a reason that you know, they want to they want they they'd like that to be true. And and maybe it's just too painful to deal with in that for them real life. So they talk themselves out of it, you know, out of life. And it's a shame, but it's you know, it, it, it's uh, it's You know, but that's just person has to go through that. I I did a lot of that when I was younger, too. I mean, when you first get involved with this stuff, yeah, this is great. And you think that the finger pointing at the moon is the moon. you You know, you're just looking at the finger and not the moon. You don't see the moon, but you see the finger. And that's you think that's it's a, you know, because you haven't had the real experience of what you're talking about. You just. Give them the space to be who they are, which you would like to have for you, too. If we, you know, it's very simple. If we could treat other people the way we would like to be treated, this world would be another place in 10 seconds. And what's that guy's name who said that? Do unto others? (laughs) He was right, that Jewish guy. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There's nothing more you have to do, but how to do that, right? You, somebody's got what you want. Somebody's got more than you. Somebody's got this. You want more of this. You want more of that. You can't do unto others, you know, because they got what you want. They've got a house and a car and all this, and that's what you want. So you get uh, selfish, self-centered stuff happens. If we could do unto others and treat other people the way we would like them to treat us. It's a very simple thing, but it's very difficult to be able to do that, a lot of practice, a lot of real sincere cultivation of kindness and compassion, very difficult, because that's not the way our minds go. Our thoughts don't run to kindness and compassion. They, they run to getting more for me, more of this, more of that. So. It's a reprogramming, and it takes time. I feel like I'm a beginner in chanting. I've been doing it 50 years. 50 years? Holy shit. Something like that. But I really feel like a beginner. I feel like I'm just maybe now, maybe. Probably not, because that's just, you know, but just kind of getting what it's all about a little bit. Probably not. Just another illusion. Oh well. So what 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 time is it? What time do we have to quit? Nine o'clock? Huh? Yeah. Okay, so it's five thirty. We have to leave at six, is that right?
2: Huh?
1: I don't have to leave, but, but um, there's a tantric sex group coming in here at
2: 6.05. <laughs>
1: I don't know if you don't want to go. You can stay. I, I'm out of here. So let's we'll take a couple of questions. If people, somebody really have something pressing that they want to discuss? And then we'll sing some. Go ahead. Hi. Hi.
4: Um, I've been wanting to ask you this for a few years now. Um, I've been waiting. <laughs> you know, I, I just, but finally, OK. Uh, so uh, I have some teenagers. Oh, and,
1: God forbid.
4: <laughs> and a preteen. And um,
1: go with the preteen.
4: <laughs> the preteen loves loves our president. Oh, wonderful. At the moment.
1: (laughs) That's a saint if I ever saw one.
4: So there's a struggle, um, a challenge often that I have, that we have. um, They don't always, I I see myself react when they, let's say, want to eat animals. um, And I also see myself react when they hum along to the Hanuman Chalisa with you. And While
1: they're eating a burger?
4: <laughs> sure, sometimes.
1: Doesn't matter.
4: So my question is about, I know that you have children and a grandchild, and I'm curious about your experience with teenagers and now what your experience has been with a grandchild. And you mentioned karmic connection, and I'm curious about that
1: also. All I know is that... I went to India in 1970 and I was never going to come back to America. Never. I sold everything I had, I gave everything away I had. If my daughter told me that she was going to India and not going to come back, I'd lock her up in a closet <laughs> for as long as it took to get over it. So, oh, I don't know, you know. You just do the best you can, you know. You, none of us know who anybody is. You just try to love your your children and your family as best you can. You can't cure them of anything, because we're also sick. We're also, you know, we have our own bullshit, so. And, and cha- everything changes, you know. Uh, I mean, my daughter just became a vegetarian. Nobody asked her to be. She just stopped eating even Fish, when she was like eight, you know? Uh, So you just let it go, you know, it's a, a, you know, we don't know who they are, where it's going, everything changes, and you just try to help allow them to feel loved, whatever they're doing, and you do the best you can to uh, keep them, prevent them from hurting themselves what else can you do that's that's the simple bottom line it gets complicated very quickly very quickly especially these days and so you just you know a lot of it depends on who you are and your experiences and what you're afraid of and what you want and they have they share a lot of your fears and stuff because they've been transmitted to them by us So it's just you know, I think counseling with a disinterested third party is really useful. Communication, as long as you can keep the lines of communication open, which is very difficult with teenagers because they're they're dedicated to fucking us over, and not telling us anything they do. But still, that's their problem. We can keep our lines of communication open in the best way we can. That's I mean so that when they get past that, which they will, you're still there. What else can you do? You could try like I'm in a closet, but you'll get busted and they'll thrown in jail and then they'll be on the street homeless, so that's no good. <laughs> so you just try to keep talking, you know, don't judge them. Try not to judge. I mean, you can disapprove, but you should not, re- you should not withhold affection or love. It's very difficult because it's putting us through stuff. That's our work. So you gotta sit with it. It's real, it's good work. It's not like it's not like a side road. This is your life. This is that's not worldly life and spiritual life. You know? Like if you go to a cave, you're gonna bring all your nonsense with you. So it's just life. There's just life. And this is it. This is your life. This is your karmic predicament. You're here you do the best you can you learn they learn everybody suffers everybody gets over it it's like it suffers again from other things it's just life we have to learn to do it the best we can whatever that means to you you know there's no easy answers but i i really think communication and allowing to make sure that those lines are always open, even if they're not taken. Make sure that somewhere they know that they could always come to you. I don't know what else to say. Thank you. Oh, oh. okay. Echo. Oh, you have something? One more right there. I can't hear you. Ek haro. Microphone aate
2: These chantings that you do, are they Buddhist chantings? So did you learn them from Buddhist like background? Are they Vedic? Are they just chanting
1: your... Where are you from?
2: Originally from Bombay.
1: Bombay. And you're asking me if Sri Ram Jai Ram is Buddhist chant? <laughs> Kya ho. How
2: how come Buddha Fest is inviting you there?
1: Buddha Fest is the same as Hindu Fest, as Christian Fest, as Muslim Fest. It's the same Fest. It's the Fest that's important. <laughs> they have to sell something, you know. I mean, for God's sake, you've got to call it something. But I have, since you asked, I have many Buddhist teachers. You know, I, I spend a lot of time with the Tibetan lamas and... and uh, I just love them so much, you know. And uh, uh, one of my favorite lamas just left the body about a month ago. And um, I went to see him. He had actually, when he first escaped from Tibet, he was wandering on the mountains in India near Hardwar. And he found this little broken down kuti, a little hut. And he moved into it. And as soon as he got in there, some guy comes and starts yelling at him and kicking his shit around and... And then he went away. So the Lama thought, well, maybe he owns this place. Maybe I should go. But he decided to stay. An hour later, some Indian people come with, with you know uh, chai and pakoras and stuff. And they say, there's a Baba who would like to treat, you know have a meal, I'll give you a meal. Will you, uh, this so the Lama goes. And who is it? It's the guy who was yelling at him. It was Maharaji. <laughs> and they spent two years together. And uh, Maharaj used to call this Lama Tibeti Baba. <laughs> and they loved each other so much, and Maharaji, oh, we'll spend our whole lives together. We love each other so much. And so one morning, <clears throat> very early in the morning, the Lama, there's a knocking on his door, banging on his door, and uh, he opens the door, and it's Maharaji. And Maharaji says, don't listen to them don't whatever they say don't listen to them don't listen to them and then he goes away the lama goes what is he talking about <laughs> later in the day the lama's guru's brother shows up to take the lama back his guru had escaped from tibet and was now in darjeeling and so he came to bring him back cuz this lama had been the meditation master for the teachings So the Lama comes to Maharaj and says, Baba, they want me to go back. Don't go. Stay. We'll stay together our whole lives. Don't go. Don't go. Lama says, but Baba, he's my guru. You must go. (laughs) If you don't go, your sadhana, your spiritual work won't bring fruit. So the Lama says, but Baba, we'll meet again. Maharaj says, huh, yes, we'll meet again. But after you've died. And he died about a month ago. So about a week before he died, I went to see him. And uh, it was so sweet. I mean, it was just so beautiful. So as I got up to go, instead, of, I, I went to, I don't even know what made me say it, but I just said, Ram Ram, right? Because Maharaj used to always say that in salaam. And he had been, he only had about this much of his lungs that were working. He had fibrosis in his lungs. He could barely breathe. He's on oxygen. And he'd been sitting in this chair for like a week, hardly talking to anybody. So as soon as I said, Ram Ram, he went, Ram Ram Sitaram, Ram Ram ram, Sitaram, Ram Ram ram, Sitaram. Like, Ram Ram Sitaram, this guy, you know, he hadn't talked for a week. Ram Ram Sitaram, Ram Ram Sitaram. And his disciples were looking around like, what is this, you know? Ram Ram Sitaram, Ram Ram Sitaram. It was so funny, it was so sweet, you know. It's so beautiful. But, you know, it's all the same shit, you know, you call it. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> same, same. We're all going to the same place. We come from the same place, we're going to the same place. We're in the same place. We just call it whatever we feel like calling it, you know. So, can we sing? Ah, yeah. uh, You're too sweet, too good to me. Anyway, thank you so much for hanging out. I really, I I enjoy this. I hope you do. Um. Oh, thanks, yeah. Uh, So let's see. What to do, what to do.
6: Yeah, yeah, I hear you, I hear you.
1: So we're going to sing the Hanuman Chalisa. What kind of a world is it where people applaud the Hanuman Chalisa? I mean, this is strange stuff, very strange stuff. Okay. So let me teach you a line that we'll sing after the Chalisa. Rama, Rama, Lakshman, Rama. Lakshman, Rama. Janaki, Jaybolo, Bolo, Jai Bolo. Hanumanaki. 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 It's a Buddhist chant. Yeah. <laughs> Rama, Rama, Lakshman, Janaki. Is it on the sheet? Yeah. Okay, then I'll shut up.
6: já um humano goza It does so, so je
1: If we know anything about a path at all, if we know that there might be a way to live in this world with an open heart and without fear, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. May we all live in peace and that ease of heart at ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life shanti is peace peace beyond understanding when we know who we are when we live in the love that lives within us then we are peace May we all be that.
6: That's it.